This episode is brought to you by Carvana. They'll drive you happy. Carvana has purchased over a million cars from happy customers by giving them an offer within minutes. And they can do the same for you. Carvana will give you a real offer for your car within minutes. Then they'll come to pick up your car and pay you on the spot. So to get a real offer on your vehicle in minutes, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Straight Talk Wireless knows there are plenty of reasons you might need a new phone. But switching to a better wireless provider doesn't have to be one of them. Keep your own phone and save when you switch to any Straight Talk wireless plan, like our $45 Silver Unlimited plan with unlimited high-speed data and 5 gigs of hotspot, plus nationwide 5G and America's best networks. Keep your own phone. Switch to a better wireless plan. Straight Talk Wireless, available at Walmart and Walmart.com. Requires a compatible online phone and QIOP kit. 5G capable device required. Actual availability coverage and speed may vary. See latest terms and conditions at straighttalk.com. Well, I don't know if it's from the shot or not. I actually, so I have like some swelling on my right, the right side of my nose. Oh. Do you do you pick your nose aggressively? Yes, yes, well, that could be part of it. Well, define aggressively. <laughs> he's he's constantly doing blow at work. So. <laughs> History defeats itself is a comedy podcast. Kevin, John, and Greg are not experts, historians, or even all that smart. Hello, my friends. Welcome to History Defeats Itself, part of the Sonar Network of Podcasts. My name is Kevin Rosenquist. Thank you for spending your time with us. History Defeats Itself is a comedy podcast that wonders if we as people learn from the past or if we simply repeat and defeat ourselves. I am, of course, joined by my co-hosts out there in beautiful Los Angeles, California. John Banks, Greg Mitchell. What's happening, guys? Too loud. You're too loud, man. I got a concussion. And How, how did you get that concussion, genius? Um, condescending question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. <laughs> I thought I, I called you a genius. Yeah, it was. Oh, good. Point. I don't think you, you were truly calling him a genius, though. <laughs> it didn't come across that way anyway. Wait, wait. Let, let me try again. Let me try again. How'd you get a concussion, genius? Is that better? That was worse. You know what's funny about my concussion is I lost the ability to interpret sarcasm. So this is gonna be a weird episode. <laughs> I'm gonna be complimented a lot. <laughs> We're gonna end the recording, and Greg's gonna be like, "Wow, those guys are so nice." <laughs> Thanks, guys. They really, like, they really gave me a pickup. I scratch them off my kill list. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that that escalated quickly. Well, <laughs> and also another another part of my concussion is I have no choice but to tell you about my kill list. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who else is on it? Yeah. Uh, John Banks and Kevin and then I put John on there twice. <laughs> I don't want to miss. How do you know which Kevin Kevin to kill if you didn't put uh, the last name? Oh, good point. I, I have that part memorized. Oh, you better hope that no one else finds that kill list or there's a lot of Kevins going down. <laughs> <laughs> Why? You assume just because someone finds my kill list, they're just going to take over? Yeah. That's, isn't that how it works? That's what they do in the movies. I would think they'd just contact the FBI. <laughs> Turn you in? Yeah. So I was, playing, like- I, was, I was playing hockey. I had a collision, and that's how I, uh, I got my concussion. And as you guys know, I also am on blood thinners. So because I jarred my head so violently... I jarred it. I put it in a jar. Um, I went to the ER just to, you know, just just because I'm Jewish and I'm prone to worry about health issues. And they put me in that uh, brain scan machine that makes a lot of loud noises and uh, came out clean. But man, do I have a headache. Hmm. That sucks. 
headache. And when I was in the hospital, like I was, I swear to God, I thought I was going to throw up. And they gave me an anti-nausea pill, and that made me feel I had lost all fart confidence. I thought I was going to shit my pants there. Did you say fart confidence? Yeah, fart confidence. You don't know what fart confidence no, what's, is? What's fart confidence? You know, like when you when you feel like you could fart, and you know it's just going to be a hundred percent error, and there's like zero chance of you shitting yourself. Yeah. When you don't have fart confidence, you oh, like, oh yeah. boy, here comes the. Here when comes maybe the you let a little squeak out, and you're like, ooh, ooh, that could go either way. Yeah, that's yeah, when you lose confidence yeah. immediately. Uh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah. Huh. So that was fun. I was out. I was in the ER until almost. Uh, well, I got home at three thirty in the morning, and uh, that was a long night. So I can't wait for John Banks to. Hopefully, it's a night night Greg episode. Just so all our listeners know, you're correct in assuming that we are cursed on this podcast because <laughs> we can't seem to win lately. <laughs> I mean, we have all sorts of shit happening. I'm getting AFib, ablations, COVID. Oh, you get AFib like every okay. other day. Yeah, That's but true. now I'm getting concussions and fucking, yeah. and I got, I failed to mention the stitches I have across the bridge of my nose from that little collision yesterday. John, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. All right, good. John, you look very good. He looks, his lighting way. is excellent today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's so beautifully tan, and then I look to my right, and Kevin's just a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> you, are, you do look tan, John. Yeah. It's the, it's, I don't know, it's 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 a reflection. My pale scan is reflecting my desk, I guess. <laughs> so, because <laughs> I'm, cause I'm pale. I'm, I'm as pale as Kevin. I just, I don't look like it in the, on the Skype cam. Well, that's, that's all that matters. <laughs> like, Skype cam is all that matters? That's all that matters. So I'm never going to meet anybody in person again. I'm like, let's Skype. <laughs> like, no, let's just meet at the bar. No, 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 let's Skype. No, Skyping is good. I, I can get the lighting right at the Skype. I can't in the bar. Uh, did you get the CDC? You know, we're, we're about to be able to go mask-free outside if you've been vaccinated. I did hear about that. Two shots. That's exciting. So I'm yeah. very excited about that. Yeah, that is nice. Life is good. It was, it was a good work day. Got some stuff done. Sold some wood. You know. Believe and how are, you do- how are you doing, Kevin? I'm good. I'm good. It's, uh, it's my anniversary today. Oh, oh this, is good. this is a good way to celebrate. Yeah. 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 It's been nine years. Since, John, you were present at my wedding, Greg, eh, not so much. Not so much. Because I, I love you and I care. That's and right. Greg doesn't. That's right. I'm glad someone represented the two of you. In fairness, I was probably buying and selling cars that day. <laughs> I thought I you were like going to say, in fairness, I didn't really want to go. <laughs> well, obviously, I didn't want to go or I would have been there. <laughs> Touche. Except, except for the fact that I wasn't invited. Yes, you 100% were invited. Both you guys. Uh, I invited both you guys. And... Um, only one of you uh, were present. And that was me. I'm was the John. better friend. I'm you, the better you weren't at my I'm wedding, Kevin. Friend. How do you like that? That is true. I can't. Uh, Karma. I cannot. I cannot deny that. Um, was I born yet? <laughs> oh, you know, nice. you, that's an insult, and and I can't recognize it very well. So <laughs> I'm a little confused. I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> Thank you. On each episode, one of us will pick the topic and do the research, while the other two don't do anything. They don't even know what we're going to talk about until it's revealed here during our recording session. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And remember to join our Facebook group, History Defeats Itself Interactive, so you, like fan of the show Lucy Conrad, can misinterpret 80s movie references that I make. Good work, Lucy. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, Lucy. that was awkward. I don't know if I said that sarcastically or not. How, do you got, how does nobody know Gremlins? John knew. You said the midnight thing. Yeah. Yeah, he knows Greg. Greg knows Gremlins. He's I just know Gremlins. I'm just not going to I hope Lucy like, knows you. Gremlins because she, uh, she apparently thought I was 
wet down there. <laughs> Wait, I'm what? sorry. You're putting a lot on her right now. <laughs> Isn't that what she implied? I don't know. What did you think she implied when she was like, when she was like, oh, too much information? When I said that that us Kevin's get we multiply when we get wet. What do you think she yeah, meant? That's that's what you meant. Yeah, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that not what you meant? No, he meant the movie Gremlins. Oh, okay. God damn it! I hate this podcast. <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> Fuck you both. All right, cool. Thanks, I'm, no, Kevin. I mean, like literally, that's all I got time for. So we're out. We've, the intro is really long. It's your anniversary. And again, I don't understand uh, sarcasm. So I feel like Kevin just asked John and I out on a date and got right to the point. <laughs> or you thought we were really ending the show and you're just going to log off. <laughs> Greg, Greg, are you still there, Greg? All right. So you guys ready? I to get am this, uh... ready. Yep. So I recently ordered a pizza. A- bar all right yeah did you get it yet no not yet it's it will be here in the year 2027 because everything everything has taken so long to get here it it, it, yeah it'll be here in another month so it's basically three months to get here but ordering that bar made me think i should do a topic on bars the history all right you mean like soap bars? Yeah, soap bars. Yeah, are we going to actually talk bars. about going like bars that you go out to or just yeah. bars that you order and put in your house? <laughs> no, no, bars. We're oh, just okay. going to talk about actual like lifting. Like like oh like, <laughs> like <laughs> we're going to talk about weight, getting swole. Weight bars. Okay. Okay. From a lack of just various water. pieces of metal shaped in a bar like yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, the bar method. Mhm. Mm-hmm. We need to talk about chocolate bars. Ooh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. We're going to talk about You know what? This, top, this topic is just doing the research all on its own, John. I hope yeah. you didn't have to do too much work. We got this covered um, for you. <laughs> I just, I wrote bars and then let them go. That's what I wrote. <laughs> and it's working out fantastic. And then, and then parentheses, hopefully Greg has concussion. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I, I did notice that uh, the guy that kind of ran into me just bought a new Ferrari today. So I think John helped support that situation. Wait, did he really? No, I thought my implication oh. was that you bribed him to hit me. Oh, that's a hell of a bribe for a fucking podcast episode. <laughs> you know where I work and you know where we get paid <laughs> on this podcast. How am I going to buy a guy a Ferrari? You mean you, you mean just, the zero dollars you get paid on this podcast? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just the down payment. I don't it's know. Actually, actually, we don't... we. We pay to do this, so we're negative. John uh, uh, hooked him up with a guy who rents Ferraris. <laughs> that was what he did for him? Yeah. I'm not going to pay for it, but I know a guy. Right, I know. Well, yeah, here, here's the thing. Uh, listen, you hit Greg, and I'll let you use my insurance on the Ferrari. <laughs> That's what I'll do. One, one but day it's not technically that. my insurance. It's actually Kevin's. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's cool. He's fine. Um, so before we get into bars. Ah, we're gonna, I like what you did there. Gotta show your ID. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's such a dad joke, but it made me laugh. Do you guys remember your first time ever going to a bar? Mm, uh, first time? I think so. I don't I was like twelve, so I don't know. I remember you mean like in drinking in a bar, right? Uh, yeah, legal or illegally. Well, I was I had a fake ID in college. I had my brother's old expired driver's license which would never work today but back then they're like yeah fuck it i don't care and uh so when i was in college uh i did uh i did go to some bars before i was 21 but i, I can't honestly remember my exact first experience but it, it was probably one of two places in dekalb illinois where i went to school dekalb dekalb northern illinois university oh fun go huskies 
Greg, do you remember your first time in a bar? Yeah, I was in high school, and there was a bar that wasn't too far away from there that used to let minors in all the time with like crazy fake IDs. And that's when I would do it. And this bar was really cool because it was uh, super seedy, disgusting, fucking asbestos on the ceiling, just dark, dingy, perfect. Oh, so perfect so you're bar. saying that a, a bar that lets high school kids in it wasn't like you super nice <laughs> and and up to you know up to code and all that. That's exactly what I'm saying, right? Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, gotcha. You were able to pick that up on that, yeah. How about you, John? I was I was 16. I was 16. I don't remember the name of the bar, but I remember I went to go see a band, and I told it. I mean, and here's the thing: like, I looked when I was 16. I looked like I was 13. I was just like a <laughs> little guy, and so I was like, "Hey, Mister, I'm 21, but I forgot my ID." <laughs> so I'm here to see Toe the Wet Sprocket. <laughs> Hey, did I get in here? I just got off at the factory. I really want to, you know, drink off the day. What time's the band go on? I got to get home to my wife and kids. (laughs) Hey, is this tax deductible? (laughs) I hope I don't have to kill anybody in here tonight. (laughs) um, You you know what? You just reminded me. I actually, uh, I played, uh, I was in a band in high school and we played a show at a bar and the guy who uh the sound guy was who was also the manager of the bar was none too pleased when we showed up because we were obviously really fucking young i think i was probably 16 i think our bass player was 15 and i think my brother was 18 and uh yeah we weren't uh we shouldn't have been in there so but we rocked so was, we rocked was john in the audience <laughs> he might have been. I was. I was. He's like, you guys nice. are great. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys are on stage going, here's our next song. <laughs> this is another Nirvana cover. <laughs> this is a song I wrote for my girlfriend, Debbie. We've been holding hands for six months. <laughs> she lets me touch her where she wears bathing suit parts. <laughs> the other night I saw her thigh. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I came. <laughs> oh, high school. So, all right. All right. So if you're, if you're still listening and we haven't annoyed the shit out of you. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about bars. But before we get into bars. I'm 51 years old, by the way. You are. You are. You this would... is my sense of humor. Yeah. It's not it's not changing at this point. I zigged when I should have zagged. Sure. <laughs> you did a lot of things wrong. Yeah. You know, it was like it was like a series of bad choices your whole life. Yeah. So, and somehow I've made it to 51. <laughs> I even tried to kill myself with a concussion last night, it didn't work. Don't worry, you're on my kill list. So, I'll get you, buddy. I'll get you. Mm. So, from the website whattimedoiwork.com, which I just think is the <laughs> greatest <laughs> website. It's literally whattimedoiwork.com. Here are some alcohol fun facts. Alcoholic beverages have been produced for over 12,000 years. Uh, Distillation was developed during the Middle Ages, and alcohol was called agua vitae, meaning the water of life. In fact, it was required at all treaty signings at the time, and it was also served with breakfast. Apparently, the person that came up with that never knew that just water was the water of life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Did you say that that it was required at all treaty signings? <laughs> yes, it was required at all treaty oh signings. Oh, my God. <laughs> which, which, another little fact, half of treaty signings ended in war. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. In the 1800s, beauticians used alcohol for beauty enhancers. Rum was used to clean hair and thought to improve the health of hair 
and brandy was used to strengthen the roots of hair. Greg and everyone little... drank <laughs> everyone drank it and made each other look better. <laughs> that is true. Sorry, you were going to say something. You wrote a joke, I think, Greg. No, I didn't did write you... a joke. Was, that was, that was oh. going to be like just right off the cuff. I was just going to say, you know, Greg, you should probably use some brandy in your hair to thicken those roots. But I could have oh. also said it to Kevin, also to myself, because yeah. all three of us have thinning, thinning hair. So. Yeah, my, my, my hairline's running scared these days. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's yeah. weird that our hair gets thin, but we get fat. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, aging is just a cruel fucking joke. <laughs> it is. Uh, the origins of toasting at special occasions began with the ancient Romans who would place toasted bread and wine to wish good luck. Hmm. I did not know that. That was like something I was like, huh. That's why we toast because of toast? It sounds pretty gross. <laughs> it does sound gross. Yeah, I didn't know a toast came from actual toast. toast. Yeah, I didn't either. Hmm. That sounds dry. <laughs> the, the United States has the highest well, maybe, minimum. You know, maybe oh, it was a Pinot Noir. I don't know. Like, it, was a, it was a drier wine. <laughs> The United States has the highest amount of alcohol. Has, has the high, probably has the highest minimum drinking age in the world. Really? Oh wow! I will say I, I have always thought it was interesting that the, the whole argument of I can fight and die for my country, but I can't get into a bar and have a beer. That yeah. makes sense to me. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah, I'm going to fight and die for my country, I'd like I'm to go to a bar up. and get hammered first. Yeah. Exactly. I want to get hammered in a hand job, and I don't care who the hand job's from, because mm-hmm. I'm hammered. The weird thing is, I you know they raise the drinking age so high because it prevents like deaths, obviously, on the highways and the streets. But you know they lower it for war participation because it increased deaths. <laughs> <laughs> it's bleak, but true. <laughs> well, it was it was 21, and then it, and then they they actually lowered it during the Vietnam War. The drinking age? Yeah, it went, it, the drinking age oh, went down to that. 18, um, but and then it went it went back up. And I, I don't, I don't know when it went down. I, you know, I don't know the years, but it did go down for a while, and then it went back up. But and it was for that very reason because all these, the average age was nineteen uh, in the Vietnam War, and it was like, fuck, man, I, you're, I can go get murdered, but I can't have a drink. Yeah. That's so. In fairness, I saw like platoon, and they smoked a lot of grass in that movie. So at least they were getting something. <laughs> they did. They called it grass too. In that movie, they sure did. In the sixties, yeah. man. Hey, let's smoke a marijuana cigarette. Did you guys in college have the bars that would let you in if you were 19, but they would put a big black X on your hand so that you couldn't drink, technically? N- n- that is a big fuck you right there. Yeah. It's, no. It's so funny. Yeah. I, I, we didn't we have those. that either, but I, uh, I used to go to visit friends at uh, University of Illinois, and uh, I, would go, I would go and visit them, and we'd go to the bars, and they put this, they take a big old one of those big king magic, those big black markers, and they'd put a big black X on your hand. So that you couldn't go up to the bar, they would see it. But I mean, they knew. Like, I, we had one friend who was twenty-one. He was just, just, just getting constant drinks for us, you know. And they all knew that was going to happen. And I never understood. I thought we thought that was so stupid. But later in life, I found out that the reason they do that is because they felt that was it was better for, or at least this was some what someone told me that it was better to have the kids in a in a controlled environment drinking than have them off in their own houses, apartments, frat houses, whatever, drinking because they could at least. If there's something bad happened, that someone would be there to help them. Uh, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I, I, someone said that to me one time. I don't know. It makes sense to some degree, but why else would you allow 19-year-olds in a bar and be like, but you can't drink? You know, I mean, obviously, they're going to get snuck beer. We had bars where um, it was 18 and over, and you'd, it wasn't a black axe, but you'd have like a stamp, you know, that was basically like 21 or under 21, but they, and they serve food. And I, I think a lot of times that's just because you have so many... Yeah, so many kids that are 18, 19, you know, there's so many 18, 19, 20-year-olds on, on college campuses that 
I don't know. I, I just, it's probably just easier than to deal with all the fake IDs and, you know, all the shit you'd have to deal with. Just, just let them in. So, but they wouldn't let you drink. But, I mean, seriously, though, people snuck beers to you, right? No, it seems impossible to not. Yeah, how do, they, how do they police that? Or at the very least, they were getting rubbing alcohol and pulling it through a <laughs> loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> alcohol bars have been a part of human civilization as far back alcohol as bars? ancient... No, alcohol <laughs> alcohol, alcohol bars. bars. I really don't Al- want to go to a non-alcohol bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> alcohol slash bars okay, gotcha. have been a part of human civilization as far back as ancient Babylon, where the records of high-priced watered-down beer-like beverages served in L houses. Originally, alcohol, specifically wine, was primarily used as a medicinal agent. Watered-down ale-like beverages? Oh, just <laughs> That sounds wait, delicious. Because there's actually, there's, there's something about, it was actually a crime to water down alcohol, that, uh, to water down beer. Ah. So I I'm mean, for that law. I know, right? What a great fucking law. Finally, the system works. <laughs> <laughs> they would execute your ass. Like, they would, they would kill you. But and, and I'm, I'm not going to give, but, but it was the way, it was like, it was a required death. Like the way they would kill you is like you had to die the same way every time if you watered down beer and it's fantastic. How many times can you die? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would get smart after the first time I got killed and not do the same crime again. Not going to water down that beer again this time. <laughs> that did not work out well for me. They can't yeah, kill me twice. I'm, apparently I'm immortal, so who gives a fuck? <laughs> we can trace the traditional concepts of bars back to, the ancient, uh, back to ancient Greece and Rome throughout cities and the countryside, taverns began serving alcoholic beverages with food to travelers, which you kind of touched this when you did the, the restaurant episode, Greg. So there's going to be a little overlap here, but yeah, whatever. Um, no one gives a shit. No one cares. So I, as time- I have forgotten that episode completely, and I'm pretty sure our listeners had. And God knows Greg has because he had a fucking concussion <laughs> last night. Greg doesn't remember what the color blue tastes like yeah. anymore. He wouldn't even remember we had a podcast if we hadn't asked him what time we were starting tonight. <laughs> It tastes like Smurfs. (laughs) (laughs) It does. Uh, As time passed and more people gathered there, these taverns began to expand their business to include gaming as well as other entertainment. However, with the fall of the Roman Empire, the number of these taverns began to decrease and only offered food, lodging, and stables for travelers. Boring. Yeah, I know, right? Not your information, just the fact that the bars started to suck. I mean... That's probably when they. It's probably when they added dentistry too, right? <laughs> yep. Let's just and make a, this a great experience for you guys. And, and accounting, <laughs> actuaries. <laughs> yep, actuaries. <laughs> in Saxon times, public houses came into existence in England and became popular gathering places for businesses and personal meetings. When New Englanders began moving into the New World, public houses were such a large part of everyday life that in many new colonies, the town began building these taverns before churches so whoever believes this country was founded on religion is wrong it's founded on alcoholism they kind of go hand in hand i feel like i i kind of like our history we got a priority straight well so so when i, when I start getting into the histories of this stuff it's crazy how many things like that are big moments in history happened in bars <laughs> so <laughs> i sort of it's just like like because you know we picked these topics and i was just like oh, i'll do one on bars and i was surprised i was very surprised at like that's where how- i sound that's where i signed my record contract on a napkin <laughs> few people know that the declaration of independence was actually signed in a bar <laughs> written in dried peanut dust yeah. 
By the late 1800s, the purpose of taverns transformed into what we now call hotels, and at the and at the same time, many saloons appeared on every street corner. With such high numbers of saloons, the profitability of these businesses saw a sharp decline. So to increase profits, illegal activities began being offered to patrons. By World War I, Americans were so upset about the activities happening in saloons that the 18th Amendment was passed. Do you guys know what the 18th Amendment is? Is it about blowjobs? It is. Blowjobs yeah. and saloons? <laughs> yep, yep. That's, that's, that sounds better. <laughs> <laughs> when they got when the, I think you're leading to prohibition. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> but it sounds mean. I don't like prohibition. No, prohibition's lame. You know the, the speak, you said saloon it made me it made me think of the other the other night I came home. I think it was last Friday and and Sheena was uh she was watching cocktail movie cocktail. <laughs> and she had music going so there was no sound. She just had the movie on. But we had the uh the subtitles on. Because <laughs> you don't, you don't want to miss the, the dialogue. I, I don't know. She did that. I, I don't. It's not that important. But what was funny to me was that they actually were calling bars saloons in that movie, and that was the mid eighties. Well, they like, just. I think they must have been just having fun with that. No, 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 no. This one guy was no? like, "Hey, you guys should come work for me. We have the hottest. Sal- I have the hottest saloon in town." And I was like, "Who the fuck says saloon? They were in New York City. Why would you? Why would you call a bar a saloon in nineteen eighty five or whenever that movie came out?" Because some stupid-ass writer was like, this would be cool if we call them saloons. Must be. What are you talking about as a stupid-ass writer? That movie was awesome. It really wasn't. Okay. No. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was better than it was. I was watching it, and I'm like, mm, even without the sound, I can't get into this. I don't think every movie from the 80s has it has no like cohesiveness. It's just like it's like a bunch of like short stories. Yeah, it's weird. It's like all over the place. And it's so weird how, you know, another thing I noticed is that why does everyone why did everyone call each other by their last names back then? No one said their first name. They just all said their last name. Like the the, the girl's dad's like, get out of here, Flanagan. He's talking. It's like, you know, his first name. Right, it seems like there'd be more Flanagans than Steves. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. right. Especially yeah. in a bar. Yeah. So I will say this though, back in his day, Tom Cruise, good looking man. He was. He was looking I man. mean he's still for for a guy who's what, 63, 64? He's 112, yeah. No, still, still, still doing his own stunts. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry for that diversion, John. I I didn't I, I hope I didn't <laughs> steal your thunder later. I hope you didn't have a whole section on cocktail. <laughs> I did. That was pretty much all of this podcast. It was the second half of the podcast. <laughs> about how awesome that movie is. Uh, but now, can, can we just take a break so I can go do some more research? Can we talk about um, Roadhouse now? Oh, <laughs> please tell me Roadhouse is in this research. And that was a saloon. That was. That I would Roadhouse. call a saloon. <laughs> yeah. or, or it was a Roadhouse. <laughs> I, lo- I love that movie. In a nostalgic sort of way. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible, it's terrible. It's terrible. I actually, yeah. terrible. I watched it again kind of recently. It's, it didn't age well. I don't know. I watched it somewhat recently. I was fairly stoned, but I enjoyed it. <laughs> Sam, <laughs> Sam Elliott adds cred to any, totally. any movie. He totally you know. does. He's one of the that best mustache, parts of it, yeah. yeah, that mustache just divides and conquers, man. Solid. Um, I, have a, I, have a, I have a friend who uh, used to work for, uh, oh God, who, who the guy, who's the guy who did Glee? Ryan something? Or... Anyway, she she worked for that guy, and so she had to. She actually ended up. She had to go meet. She had, she drove out to Sam Elliott's house, and met Sam Elliott and his wife, and like sat in his house, and he had to sign some papers or something like that. And so she like hung out with Sam Elliott for like an hour. The Eighteenth Amendment made the manufacturing, sale, and transportation of alcohol illegal. 
However, this was hard to enforce as speakeasies and moonshining gained popularity. So after only 14 years, this amendment was appealed and replaced by the 21st Amendment in 1933, making alcohol legal again. But it brought a heavy list of stiff taxes and regulations that we still use to this day. Nice. All right. Let's really get in. Let's, let's go all the way back. The earliest alcoholic beverage known to have been produced is beer and Zima. dates back. <laughs> That's right. Smirnoff. <laughs> you didn't Zima. even give us a chance oh, to guess, Dick. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Is it, is it Zima? Is it beer? It's Zima. It's Zima. <laughs> it dates back to the late Stone Age. The discovery of beer jugs have established the fact that intentionally fermented beverages existed at least as early as the Neolithic period around 10,000 B.C. During this period, wild barley was first domesticated and systematically harvested in the Fertile Crescent region of modern-day Turkey, Iran, and Iraq. Man, I was just, kicked I was just, they, they, they domesticated just, wild fucking barley. They did. On, on the Serengeti. <laughs> When it was trying to fucking yeah, when it was trying to yeah, it was racing across after wildebeest. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking, they contained that shit. They did with a lasso. Hammurabi was one of the first dynasty kings of the city of Babylon, and the code of Hammurabi, the oldest recorded hospitality laws, are laws governing commercial hospitality from at least 1800 BC. Hostels, inns, and l houses, which is what they were called at the time in Mesopotamia, were in the business of supplying drinks women, and accommodations for strangers. The taverns of Babylon and Nineveh were owned by wealth merchants who employed women managers, sold liquor on credit, and received payment in grain, usually after the harvest. Taverns in ancient Mesopotamia did not simply serve as an outlet for locals, usually men, to gather to socialize and drink. Rather, they functioned as essential nodes of communication that facilitated information exchange. Drinks at the time included date palm wine, barley beer, and there were strict regulations against diluting them. The punishment for watering beer was death by, what do you think? God, stop making that noise. Let's see. How about... Hang this is for the Lamborghini. Decapitation. Think about it. You're watering down beer. Why would you drowning? Get decap- yes. Waterboarding. <laughs> yes, waterboarding. Water drowning. Drowning. Oh. They would drown your ass. That's actually like pretty pretty impressive for back in the day. Like they they're like, hmm, well, they're watering down beer. Let's drown them. <laughs> yeah, it didn't necessarily have to go that way. No, I mean it's kind of like they they were like, hmm, I want to I want the punishment to fit the crime. I would hate to find out what would happen if they didn't put enough cheese on the nachos. Well, and also like that's when you get waterboarded with cheese. Yeah, you get cheese found. <laughs> <laughs> you get cheese boarded. You get a yeah. It's a fun. You get fondued. Um, <laughs> they covered them all <laughs> with, a, with a giant. They spear. That you was the best one though. I'm pretty sure we covered all the puns there. But yes, fondued was solid. Um, Sometimes it takes a minute to get to the best one. <laughs> let's let's just cut everything out and just say. Fine, dude, and then that's it. Yeah. Um, a papyrus a short docu- Yeah. <laughs> People are like, I don't get this show. <laughs> the weirdest show I've heard. I just, I, I heard an ad, and then they just said fine, dude, and that was the end. And then, well, then they said the history, and this is, it's about bars. Doesn't make any sense. Well, it's not like it makes sense 
with us, including all of our words. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) A papyrus document from ancient Egypt warns, do not drink in the taverns for fear that people repeat words which may have gone out of your mouth without you being aware of having uttered them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. That, that's, that's a legit concern. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't go drinking. You're going to say some shit you'll regret. <laughs> Even back then, they knew it. <laughs> we talk about history defeating itself. <laughs> the beer tavern of ancient Egypt were finished, furnished with mat stools and chairs upon which customers sat side by side. Fraternally drinking beer, wine, palm brandy, cooked and perfumed liquors. Wine clearly appeared as a furnished, a furnished <laughs> wine clearly appeared as a finished product in Egyptian pictographs about 4,000 BC, and is one of the oldest. And, and they have one of the oldest beer recipes in the world. While I was doing this, there's like people who because it wasn't um, a lot of old beer recipes aren't written down, so people try to like archaeologists, I forget what it's called, but it's like a, they, they try to figure out what the beer tasted like back then, so they actually will brew, archaeologists will actually brew their own beer and like do it in a way that the ancients did. Well, I brew my own beer sometimes too. It can't be worse than that. <laughs> Those archaeologists sound like alcoholicists. All right. Um, so alcoholicists? We're going <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, to take a little commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to get more into history, and then we're going to get into how bars... Changed the landscape of America. Dun, dun, dun. We'll be right back. Why is Sylvan learning different? It's simple. Sylvan works. So many families try other solutions, but they always end up with Sylvan. That's because Sylvan's team of dedicated local educators have decades of experience at helping students succeed. And Sylvan is backed by proven programs with guaranteed results. This school year will be different because you started with Sylvan. Tap the banner to learn more. Ransom Riggs is back with the Deluxe Companion Guide to the number one best-selling Miss Peregrine's Peculiar Children's Series. Gloriously rich and utterly delightful, Miss Peregrine's Museum of Wonders is an indispensable guide to the peculiar world, perfect for longtime fans and new readers alike. It's also a dramatic expansion of the universe fans have already come to love and includes never-before-seen vintage photographs and illustrations. Available now wherever books and audiobooks are sold. All right, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed that commercial break. Does anyone enjoy commercial breaks? Yes. I, I, I only listen to podcasts for the commercials. How do I know what to buy if not for commercials? <laughs> I don't know. Just say anything in your phone and then you just see ads for it on Facebook. That's true. Um, Greek and Roman cities had taverns that served food as well as drink. Uh, excavations on Pompeii, which was a city of about 20,000, have uncovered the remains of 118 bars. So Damn. Just in Pompeii? Those, <laughs> yeah, those fuckers like to drink. Holy cow. <laughs> and no libraries. So, so it's, it probably didn't, it probably wasn't a volcano. Probably, somebody probably somehow caused something to blow up in a, in a distillery. In both Greece and Rome, some taverns offered lodging for the night and gambling and other amusements. The Romans were proud people who held that the business of conducting a tavern was a low form of occupation and the running of such establishments was usually entrusted to slaves. So, okay, cool. S- slavery. Making Trivia. people, yeah, make make people serve alcohol. Uh, after the fall of the Roman Empire, the next taverns reappeared. They were alehouses houses along the trade routes, which provided stable 
for the horses, a place to sleep, and sometimes a mill. As time went on, the tavern became a permanent institution of all Europe. There were many versions, inns, pubs, cabarets, dance halls, and meeting houses. Neighbors gathered at these establishments to exchange the latest news and gossip over a mug or a tankard. What's a tankard? It's a, uh, a really a big growler? mug of beer. It is. It's like, is that, a, it's like an oversized mug of beer. Yeah. Is it like one of those like giant boots, like glass boots? It's not a boot, be- but it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's a big... Is it a stein with one of those lids that you flip off with your plum, plum? Yeah. Is it a what? Stein. Yeah, it's like, it's just a really, yeah, it's just a really, really large mug. Basically. So what you're saying is it's a mug, but bigger. I don't, yeah, I guess. I, I don't know how many times I can say it. I mean, like, I can, you know. Do you I'm just to, trying to visualize to it, man. Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Well, give me a second. Fine. <laughs> is it the same? Is it the same shape as a mug? I think like, but just bigger. Well, here's what we know: we know it's not a boot shape. We've learned that. John, did you not look up a picture? <laughs> That's, I feel. I feel like Wolf Blitzer. Here's what we know so far. <laughs> here's what we know so far. <laughs> not much. Back to you, Joe Max. In the studio. All right. Here. This is from an article written by Rebecca Dalzell in SmithsonianMag.com. Taverns produce a particular type of public sphere in colonial America. Without them, I don't think you would have had exactly the same political landscape. Many people compare it to the coffee house in London or Paris salons. In taverns, people could mix together. You see men drinking alongside the people they work for. Early laws fixed the price that tavern keepers could charge for a drink, so they couldn't cater to wealthy patrons. And once you add alcohol in there, it changes the way everyone relates to each other you end up with accelerated relationships and occasionally cantankerous one. People become more willing to go out and raise hell over things that they might have let go when sober. No, I never overreact when I'm drunk. (laughs) So what you're saying is when you're in a bar, you act like you're in a bar. Okay. Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Or or when you get drunk, you know, so. And, and, you know, here's the thing. If if we would have had pool, pool tables... Uh, in this in the 18th century, maybe we wouldn't have a revolutionary war because people just wouldn't play in pool instead of fighting the redcoats. What if we had like axe throwing back then? Then Probably. maybe it would have started. I, I, I bet they did, right? I bet they had yeah. axe throwing back then. Hey, John, so. stand in front of this uh, this wall for a second and put an have apple. Have you guys on your done head. the axe throwing thing? I have uh, not. No, I no. haven't either. It seems really dangerous to just hand people axes and 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 beer. I just keep seeing them like bounce back off the wall and look like they're going to land on your toe. Hmm. Are you that close to it? You could be. Have you been? Have you actually been to one, Greg? I just got allergic <laughs> reaction to axe throwing. <laughs> no, I have not, but I've seen videos on, of it on the social medias. Hmm. All right. This is from <laughs> bucketlistbars.com. So these are, I'm going to go through some like, uh, Hey John, Time. when you go to those websites, do you see the like the counter tick by and it says one? Because you're like the only <laughs> visitor ever. <laughs> do you guys do you guys watch uh or or did you watch uh Bojack Horseman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh did you remember so there was like there was a epi- or there was like a whole season where there, there was like this website called what time is it now dot yeah. com? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was just literally a website where you go and it tells you the time. <laughs> yeah. And so, all right. George Washington meets John Adams in City Tavern, Philadelphia. While serving as delegates to the First Continental Congress in Philadelphia in 1774, George Washington and John Adams met for the first time. 
Legend contends that the two first met at the City Tavern, a more refined tavern for the city of Philadelphia, built only a year before in 1773. The tavern was actually a favorite of most delegates, and Ben Franklin was known as a regular here. Yeah, he was a lush. So, ben. well, I mean, I think, I mean, you know, I, how couldn't you? I mean, like. I totally think we, we would have partied with that guy. That would have been Yeah, <laughs> for sure. But yeah, he was a lush. Like, I you're been not. Like, <laughs> well, I, did, I, did never, I never said I wasn't. Okay. I also said I wanted to party with him. Think how hard life would be back then. Yeah. Right? Like, I like getting fucked up now. And life, yeah. really, compared to them, ain't that hard. Well, George Washington, too. Like, everything that you hear or read about him, his, he had, like, the worst teeth in the history of human beings. <laughs> so, like, imagine just being in constant mouth pain all the time. Yeah, I'd be drinking a lot, too. Well, maybe he had bad teeth because all he did was drink. Oh, shit, you just blew my mind. <laughs> Wait, does, 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 does beer hurt your teeth? Alcohol? Yeah. Yeah. God yeah, damn it. Really? <laughs> Yes. Yes. I heard. I heard he used to go to. It, I heard it he used to go to Seven Eleven and get a bunch of slushies all the time. Who bit uh, George Washington? Yeah, that's mm. what fucked up his teeth. <laughs> he would drink it. You he mean would slurpees? drink it with slurpees, whatever. Yeah, he he drink them without a straw. So that's what really fucked. Oh up. yeah, you can't do that. You can't do that. No. Yeah. Well, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't have straws back then. Yeah. I mean, they had slurpees, but not. not I mean, the unless straw. you just had wisdom teeth pulled out, then you don't want to use the straw. <laughs> That's true, because then you get then you get dry sockets. Yeah, you I get think dry they sockets. had to use the uh, they had to use the urethra of whale penises. <laughs> I bet that would work. I think that'd be too big. Maybe yeah. it'd work for one of those fish bowls. <laughs> <laughs> for a for a tanker. You'd or a tankard. Tanker. <laughs> <laughs> the Boston Tea Party is planned at the at the Green Dragon Tavern in Boston. In December 1773, after months of protesting England's tax on tea, New Englanders had had enough. A small group of some of the most active patriots met at the Green Dragon Tavern to plan their message to the king. Their eventual answer was to storm three vessels sitting in the bay and dump England's tea overboard. Their act of defiance would go down in history as one of the most iconic symbols of American resistance to tyranny, and the whole thing was planned in a bar. That does seem like something that was planned while, while it was fucked up, doesn't it? <laughs> like... Like it's, I just really here's what like, we're gonna what, do, guys, 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 guys. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Listen, listen. <laughs> God, no, you're talking too much. Hey, we're not bringing, we're not bringing Phil into this one. Hey, hey, you know the tea, the fucking tea, man. I love you guys. Those English sons of bitches. They fucking they're all about their goddamn tea. <laughs> I love oh, you I love guys you. so much. I love you guys so much. We're gonna get on that fucking ship, man. You guys are my best friends, cool. no matter what happens. <laughs> I love you guys so much. We'll take care of each other out there. Let's go, let's go streaking. <laughs> and and normally, you know, because they dressed up like Indians when they did this. Normally, like, <laughs> there's like one guy who makes suggestions, and all the soap people are like, "No, man, that's racist." <laughs> but this time, they're like, "Oh yeah, racist Steve is right. We should totally dress up like <laughs> <Racist> Indians." Racist <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Do you know how racist you had to be to be called racist back then? <laughs> yeah, you had to. You had to be. You had to work for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, you got the tattoos and everything, man. All right, um, so the United States Marine Corps is founded. On November 10th, 1775, the Continental Congress commissions Samuel Nichols, the owner of Philly's Turn Tavern, to raise two battalions of Marines in Philadelphia. The tavern's manager, Robert Mullen, was the chief Marine recruiter and so immediately set up a station in the tavern itself. By all accounts, he quickly filled the roles with local recruits looking for adventure and the chance to serve. So basically, the Marine Corps was born of a bunch of fucking alcoholics, and, and that tradition still goes on today. And I can say that because my dad's a Marine. <laughs> I don't know that that gives you carte blanche there. That's true. That's true. I did. I had a, a roommate, and he was just like, oh, man, he's like, nobody drinks like Marines. Was he a Marine, John? 
Yes, he was. I feel like so. just military people in general probably drink a lot. I mean, I, I, I would. He 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 said they he was uh, he was stationed, I think in the Philippines. I think that's where he was stationed for a while. And and they would play this game called Smiles. And basically, um, everybody there would everybody was getting a blowjob under the table, and whoever cracked the, the smile had to buy everybody else a drink. <laughs> All right. That's, uh... That's how you get. That's weird, how you get gonorrhea. Weird, weird story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. George Washington says farewell to his officers on December fourth, seventeen eighty-three. Following the end of the Revolutionary War, George Washington abruptly retires his commission and resigns as the commanding general of the Continental Army. He summons his officers to Francis Tavern in New York City and delivers an apparently heart-moving address that includes a long statement about his appreciation for his officers and everything that they had done over the past decade. It ends with General Washington personally embracing each of them and then saying goodbye. Aww. I love every single one of you guys. <laughs> you guys. Equally. You guys, you yeah. guys Remember, such good fighting stuff. You can live at my house. But I don't want to <laughs> say goodbye. Hey, hey, I don't hey, want to. It's hey really guys. big house. It's the big white one over there. It's really big. So like, we hey, got guys. lots of rooms and stuff. We could stack our beds. We have so much room for activities. We could could play so many games and build so many forts. Do you guys want to play cornhole? Let's play cornhole. And I don't mean throwing beanbags into wooden blocks. (laughs) Hey, guys, are my teeth fucked up? Hey, guys, guys, I can't feel my mouth. How do I look? (laughs) Hey, who's got my powder for my wig? And for my nose. <laughs> hey, you guys remember when our feet almost froze off? <laughs> that sucked. I'm on the dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the thing that hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> Who wants some goddamn slushies? Slurpees. God, Whatever. I don't anything in this show. I really All right, don't. this is just really fucking stupid. Drunk impressions of George Washington. Poor guy. Poor... He never told a lie. There's no way that's fucking true. Yeah. He was a politician. (laughs) He had to tell lies. In New Salem, Illinois, a young Abraham Lincoln went to Illinois. Illinois? No. John. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't. I didn't. What did you say then? I said in New Salem, Illinois. (laughs) A young Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) I did. I said Illinois. Well, why the fuck did they put an S on I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't mean you should say it. (laughs) Sure it does. Kevin's? Greg's? (laughs) A young Abraham Lincoln went into business with an associate named William F. Berry, purchasing three general stores in the area aptly named Berry and Lincoln. (laughs) Which which sounds like a comedy show, right? Like a sitcom? Yeah, it does. Berry and Lincoln. Here they are. Two best friends living together. (laughs) Da-da-da. In a log cabin. <laughs> There's only one bed, which is really coincidental. <laughs> <laughs> What's Abe keeping that stove top hat? <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, it's, uh, the stores actually doubled as bars and bottle shops and sold a variety of sundries, but they specialize in drinks. According to historians, they sold brandies, gin, wine, rum, and whiskey. Meals and lodging were also available. Abraham Lincoln himself tended bar. Isn't that fucking nuts? Like, that's something I didn't know. Again, guys, we are a country founded on bars. We're not a country founded on religion. Yeah. Hey, what, really... can I, what can I get you? 
step on up. He's like flicking coasters. I <laughs> <laughs> reference a cocktail. Is he like swinging bottles around and yeah. stuff? Like doing little dances? Abraham goes up. Yeah, attended bar and poured the drinks, making him the only president in history to attend bar. In the late 1800s, the American blue-collar worker was under pressure and under attack. 12-hour days, six- or seven-day work weeks, and unsafe working conditions were taking their toll on the American blue-collar worker. So throughout America's industrial centers, workers were dying from accidents on the job or even from exhaustion. This was the catalyst for the American labor movement. Because bars were the frequent meeting place for blue-collar workers and immigrants, who usually comprised the bulk of the working class, they became the natural places for many of the first meetings of labor unions. In fact, it's argued, but not known, that one of the main reasons prohibition was supported by wealthy industrialists like Rockefeller and Ford was because they wanted to close the saloons in which union sympathizers recruited their members. Hmm. Sounds a lot like uh, an Amazon warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> well, but at Amazon, they don't—you know, you don't get to drink at Amazon. Yeah, that's true. Or leave. Yeah. I kind of feel like if you don't have to drive home, you should be able to get drunk at work. Not every day, but it'd be yeah, kind of fun. What if, mean, what if you have to drive a forklift? Yeah, or <laughs> perform heart surgery. I don't. What, what, why are you asking those questions? Your argument is is. If, um, here's the thing: if if the surgeon's drunk and the patient is drunk, it'll be fine. Why is the patient drunk? Well, if he's not, then the surgeon's gonna fuck up. <laughs> so wait, what? It's shh, shh. Women became liberated. Um, so before prohibition, women did not often frequent bars or saloons. In fact, the only reason they might is they worked there. However, all or this they went to get their deadbeat husbands. Bring them home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, all this changed in the in the early 1920s. Speakeasies, illegal bars set up throughout the U.S., were fashionable. Being seen at these gin joints uh, was important, and large city newspapers even began reporting on the socialites that went to them. So once prohibition was over, it only made sense that women remained. As a culture movement then, these illegal bars were largely responsible for liberating women and getting them an equal footing as men, as far as getting drunk in bars is concerned. So, I mean, you know, as far as equal pay and all that other stuff, we're still pretty far behind, but... Everybody can go to a bar. Oh, at least Yay. we got there eventually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think it was like it was a it was some woman's uh, like it was a women's group that was really pushing for prohibition. Yeah, um, definitely. I, I, have you guys? Uh, did you guys? Either you guys watch the Ken Burns prohibition? I know we reference Ken Burns <laughs> on the show a lot <laughs> every week. Do you Jesus watch Christ. anything other than Ken Burns? Well, the, Ken's, no. Ken, I just said Ken's. No, <laughs> I mean, I mean they're everything. they're very long, so it, it takes up a good portion of my life. No, the Prohibition one is actually awesome. And it's shorter. I think it's only like, you know, seven and a half hours or whatever. It, it actually really is, really is good. And they did talk about, uh, they do talk about a lot about the, the women's movement of, uh, of the, temper, the temperance movement. It was a, they were a big part of, they're a big part of the reason that uh, uh, the Prohibition got passed. They were very successful. Yeah. Neither one of you like met your wives in a bar, right? No. No. I, I met my wife at a bar, but you? Yeah, no, I saved my wife from a burning car. That's how we met. <laughs> no. You set the car on fire, and then you waited, and you're like, okay, now's my time. And I'm like, okay, to she's going to be super impressed with this. <laughs> as long as she's still alive. <laughs> how many times did it take to work? <laughs> I mean, you can't make an omelet, you know? <laughs> 
Wait, she still listens to this, right? <laughs> she's our number one fan. All right. This So from Ranker.com, so this is getting, now we're jumping from the late 1800s uh, and early uh, 20th century up to the mid 20th century. So in the late 1960s, homo, homosexual sex was illegal in almost every state in the U.S., even in private homes. New York had one of the largest gay populations, but also had some of the strictest anti-sodomy laws. The state even formed squads of police that would raid gay bars as well as use undercover officers to solicit sex from gay individuals and then arrest them if they consented. Now, if you're wondering, why is he talking about this? <laughs> I thought we were talking about bars. Well, now we're talking about gay bars. <clears throat> On June 28, 1969, the police were again harassing the patrons of a gay bar in Greenwich called the Stonewall Inn. However, on this night, the patrons got fed up and began resisting the officers. A riot quickly broke out, and a word spread throughout the city. Other men and women in the city rushed to the Stonewall Inn to aid in the resistance against the officers. Police reinforcement arrived sometime later and dispersed the crowd. But the following night, over 1,000 men and women returned to the Stonewall Inn and protested for hours until a riot squad was called in to break things up. The incident at Stonewall Inn led to the discussion about the rights for members of the LGBT community in America and led to the formation of the first LGBT advocacy groups in the country. Within a few years of the riots, gay rights groups had been formed in many major cities across the U.S. So I thought that was kind of cool. That's awesome. Right? Yeah. Like, I haven't, yeah. Have you guys seen the Stonewall Rising, the documentary about that? I, I, I have I, not. I haven't. Uh, yeah, but it's, have been, it. it's, it's on my list. I, I really, it's supposed to be really good. But yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Is it in your Netflix queue? Oh, um, man, I forgot I about so. those. I believe so. Like, man, I, I used to spend hours, <laughs> like, 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 rearranging my queue. Like, not every day, but, like, weekly. I would be like, no, I want to put this one first, and, oh, no, like, or I'll watch a video, or, like, a, like a series. Christ, John. You're depressing the hell out of me right now. <laughs> All right. No, but I think it is in my Netflix queue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so from the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. Uh-oh. Sounds like a bummer. Um, well, you know what? I'm gonna, gonna be, I'm gonna be back in like 20 minutes, but keep talking. Keep talking. <laughs> it's it's actually it's really just, you can come back in five. Okay. So, <laughs> two locations, bars and homes, are the most likely settings for violence. Men were more likely to be the target of severe violence in bars. Thirty percent of the most severe incidents involving men as victims, from both the general population and college samples, occurred in or around a bar. For women, bars were less frequently the scene of severe violent victimization. 22% of the most severe episodes reported by women in the general population sample and 23% of the most severe episodes reported by women in the college sample occurred in or around a bar. I thought it was, I, I, I was like, huh. So did you guys get that? Because like, I know when you, start, when you start doing a bunch of numbers, it's like... You went you really fast out. too, so maybe not quite. I'm not very smart. So, so it's basically that, that uh, more men experience severe violence than women. And it's not a huge in difference. In a bar. It's basically... Yeah, in a, yeah in that, makes sense, it's, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's about an 8% difference. Right. Because men get beer muscly and start beating each other up. It makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, And then they go uh, home and beat the shit out of their girlfriends or yeah, wives. Yeah. Or boyfriend, you fucking Yeah, but the, your asshole. point was, if you don't remember the fucking thing that you just said, <laughs> is that women get beat up more in the home. So I was trying to back your point. But that's okay. You can argue with me on that. Good job. <laughs> Well, I'm going to. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, when, uh, so I dated uh, this, or I, was, I had a, a girlfriend named for a while, and one of the things... Why do you always say their said, names? I have to cut that shit out, you know? 
Okay, I'll just start over. So I was, I, I was in, I was, in, I was had a relationship, a couple year relationship. Was it? <laughs> God damn it, Greg! You son of a bitch. So, so I, so I dated this girl. Uh, we were together for about two years, and she, in the very beginning of the relationship, she told me she was like, "Hey, if a guy ever gets like malleable with me at a bar, she's like, don't step in. Let me handle it unless I ask you to help." And the reason for that, because she, she, and, and she was right. Like she, as a woman, could deescalate it most of the time, right? Yeah. And, 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 if, and if I got involved, then it's like, then it becomes this machismo thing. And, you know, and so. Was, well, if it was, if it was a different guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was her way of telling like, you that you're not very intimidating. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's like, you're not tough. Like, was she picking fights in bars a lot? No, no, no. Like, like you know, some asshole would say something like inappropriate to her or whatever, and so rather than me like stepping in, she she would rather handle it first. Hey, you! What did you just say to my lady? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool that she had a. It's kind of cool that she had a policy, which just goes to speak at how often women are harassed. Yeah, seriously, but they have to have a plan. Yeah. Yeah. She wait was she? Oh well. Yeah. Take your time. <laughs> we're fine. You just, you just think. We're not in a rush. Yeah. I'm not going to edit any of this out. Like, yeah. we're just going to let the audience feel your thinking. Um, all right. So, the bar violence study conducted in Buffalo, New York, was designed to systemically examine the putative causes of bar violence, both direct and indirect. These causes included individual differences among people who frequent bars, characteristics of bars at which violence occurs and the situations preceding the violent incidents. Participants who were between the ages of 18 and 30, including 194 men and 106 women who reported experiencing bar violence, 121 men and 106 women who had observed but did not experience violence, and 54 men and 60 women who frequented bars but had neither seen nor experienced violence in a bar. After administering a battery of individual differences in alcohol use tests, to the participants, researchers interviewed them about the characteristics of their usual bars. If a subject reported experiencing violence, he or she was asked about the characteristics of the bar in which the violence had occurred and about the violent incident itself. Did you guys get all that? I think Greg fell asleep. Nope. I was listening. I got, I got it all. I got it all. 100%. Okay. Okay. Repeat it back to me. Nope. <laughs> How many men? How many women? Oh, okay. So, and, and what about men and women? You talked about men and women? <laughs> So an examination of the violent incidents suggested that although drinking played a role, it did not appear to be a direct cause of the violence. Participants who initiated or were the victims of a violent event had not consumed more alcohol at the time of the event than had participants reported only threatening events that did not result in violence. So basically, alcohol doesn't really cause more violence. But alcohol consumption was related to the risk of injury. Among men who, had, who became involved in a violent bar event, the more drinks they had consumed, the more severe the injury to themselves as well as to the other person involved. The more highly... <laughs> right? The more I, highly, I mean, yeah, you're kind of numbed up, so you just keep fighting, you know? <laughs> or, or you don't realize how hard you're hitting someone. Yeah. Right? Or how hard you're being hit. <laughs> the more highly intoxicated the other person involved in the violence was reported to be, the less severe the injury that the men reported experiencing themselves. So if you're fighting some guy who's really shit-faced, he's not going to hit you that often. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is so, so really, they didn't need to do this study. They could have just asked anybody who's ever been in a bar. Yeah. Uh, or this, who are, who's ever seen a drunk person. Yeah. Yeah. And their coordination skills. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I got shit. I was shit faced one night, and I, I, um, when I was in Tuscaloosa, and I drove to the Waffle House. I don't know if you guys have those in Chicago or like in Illinois. Oh, absolutely, but, uh, that's not really so, in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, so I, I don't drove, live in Colorado. I live in Colorado, and I don't live in Illinois right now. Right, but when you were growing up. Oh yeah, right. So no, I don't think we do. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually there's there's one in Phoenix, uh, like on the that's the last exit out of Phoenix. There's a, a uh, anyway. I think it's um, overrated, so, but oh god, not when you're drunk. It's the best when you're drunk. Yeah, that I can see. That I, bre- breakfast um, places when you're drunk are phenomenal. They really are. <laughs> but I, I was shit faced, and I drive to this bar, and I walk in, and I I mean, cause you know when you're drunk, you just smell like alcohol, and I walk in. And the whole fucking place is full of cops. <laughs> like just <laughs> cops everywhere. And I was so drunk, rather than turning around, get back in my car and fucking leaving, I sit down at the like little booth and I start talking to them. And then of course they followed me out to my car. So and I but I didn't start it. I got in the car and went to sleep. Wow. Anyway, uh, that's great. I, I didn't know if that was gonna yeah. be when you got your DUI. You were like, Yeah, no. I told them to go fuck themselves and then I started driving away. <laughs> you know what? They, they pulled me over. And you know what they did? They went ahead and they went to fuck themselves. Yeah, <laughs> it <man>. worked. <laughs> they did what I said. I even like put my hand on one of the guy's shoulders, and he was just like, "Hey, man, I don't like being touched." <laughs> so, <laughs> and so you just like be gentler, but you just caressed him. <laughs> yeah, stroked his hair. You're just like, no. but what about like this? Everybody likes that. Did he purr like a kitten? He did. He did. Uh, after he shot me, this finding supports the hypothesis that alcohol is a facilitator rather than an instigator of aggressive behavior. It also is consistent with the view that the psychopharmacological effects of intoxication on decision-making... Sound it out. <laughs> I did. I did. That's what I was doing. Psychopharmacological effects of intoxication on decision-making may make a bad situation worse. So don't text your girlfriend when you're drunk or your boyfriend or your boyfriend's boyfriend. Don't um, text your boyfriend's boyfriend when you're drunk. Mm-hmm. Are you texting yourself in that scenario, or are you saying that there's a few people involved here? I'm saying it's an open relationship. I actually text myself quite a bit when I'm drunk because it reminds me to do shit that I think of. (laughs) What are you thinking of when you're drunk? I don't know. I have, like, really inspired ideas, and then I read them and go, wow, that was fucking dumb. Can you text yourself? Yeah, and sometimes there's just reminders, like, get toothpaste. Yeah. I didn't, I I don't, I didn't. You can. You can do that. Yeah, you can. Try it right now. So uh, in the in the wild west, I looked for my um, phone for a second there. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in the wild west, with the, the pop up saloons, which were also often saloons and brothels, um, one of the things that I found was uh, that I thought like, was kind of interesting is that brothels were responsible for basically you would have like a bar or like a brothel slash bar pop up, and then the town would build around that because the women who worked there. Uh, and, and a lot of times owned it would uh, p- like build schools and housing and hotels, and they they would actually like the the city would kind of build out from or the town would build out from the the, the saloon. No shit from the brothel. Yeah. <laughs> See, so. that's why prostitution should be should be legal because <laughs> we need more cities. We need it's more like, schools. Yeah, it's like we need the like it's a it's a life a real life version of Settlers of Catan, except it's <laughs> brothels of Catan. So. <laughs> That that and because sometimes you want to have sex for pay. <laughs> well, there's uh, that. There's that. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, you guys. Uh, it's it's time for last call. No shit. Okay. Really? 
Well, Mastorians, what better way to celebrate an episode about bars than when a shot from your own bar? So it's time for last call. Let's do this shot. Raise your glasses. What's up, Greg? Cheers. Cheers. This is one of those rare moments when we are not defeating ourselves. Bars throughout history have been the birthplace of rebellions, the betterment of the working class, a celebration of independence, the beginning of an awkward night of sex, a place to blow off the stress of the week, to mourn the loss of a loved one, or just a great place to meet up with friends. Bars, taverns, L-houses, L-houses, saloons, pubs, gin joints, or whatever you want to call them, have been a great way for humans to deal with a life since we started building cities. While doing the research for this episode, I was surprised by how often a bar was the place for the catalyst for change. Before you head out to change the world, stop at your local watering hole, buy a drink for a stranger, and ignite your soul. Have a great week, and we hope you make history. 